The title for this morning's message is Christ is Risen. And Christ is risen as we've been reporting through the scriptures and through our singing, validating and accepting that to be so, a historical fact that nothing can change. I've been to his tomb in Jerusalem and it is empty. It is empty. He is risen. Has it occurred to you that the tombstone was rolled away not to let Jesus out, but to let witnesses of his resurrection in? The risen Christ appeared, after all, passing through doors in John 20, 19 and 26. He most certainly could have passed through the closed capstone of his tomb that the Roman soldiers watched. No, no, the stone was rolled away by God to let eyewitnesses to the bodily resurrection of Christ in, not to let Jesus out. This is the testimony of John 20. We're going to be moving around several verses in this resurrection Lord's Day. The first passage is John 20, verses 1 to 10. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, and he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know that scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Does it sound a little odd to you? The John 20.10 reports, as I have just read, that those who first saw evidence of Christ's bodily resurrection went to their homes. And the disciples went away again to their own homes. That's such an undramatic, mundane, (laughs) ordinary thing to do, wouldn't you say? Well, let me unpack what was going on a little bit for you. Going back to their homes does sound a tad surprising to us until you look at the four Gospels and what they report about the Lord's various followers at the time surrounding his resurrection. You ready? There was fear, Matthew 28, 8. Specifically, there was fear of the Jews, John 20, verse 19. One follower, in fact, said, unless I see, I will not believe. That's John 20, verse 25. Some were greatly perplexed, Luke 24, 4. Some did not believe, Mark 16, 11, and 13. Some had unbelief, the scriptures say, in the hardness of heart, 
Mark 16, 14. Some viewed the reports of the Lord's resurrection as idle tales, literally impossible nonsense. That's Luke 24, verse 11. Some were astonished, Luke 24, 22. Some of them were afraid, Matthew 28, 5, and Luke 24, 5. All of these responses, all of these emotions, any one of these things I would submit would have made one's own little house seem like a wise refuge, maybe the best place possible to regroup. The fact is, some of us here today, and maybe many of us here today, come to the sanctuary this happy Resurrection Lord's Day morning having experienced many traumas, many heartbreaks, many losses over the last two plus years. And what we know is a happy history, Christ's resurrection, is being remembered today with real-time regrets. COVID's thefts. COVID has knocked plenty of us or all of us down. Jobs have been lost. Hours have been cut, bills overwhelm, desperation has increased crime, our children's educations have been made so much more complicated and difficult, family relationships are strained, certain ministries at our church are still not reopened, certain church family have not returned, and we wonder if they ever will. Masks and social distancing push us apart. Differing views on vaccinations have changed, in some cases, how we see each other. The prices of basic things are sky high and they're going higher. Marriages are frayed and some are falling apart. Domestic violence, mental health issues have spiked, depression, anxiety, suicides, or thoughts of suicide. COVID has knocked us down. The sick can't have visitors in our hospitals. We ourselves, many of us, have been sick, and sometimes we've gotten better and we thank God, but in other cases, there are lingering complications even after we've recovered. Plenty of our friends, neighbors, and family members have passed away, and usually alone. We wonder if things will ever be like they once were. And so the truth is, nowadays, we are a lot like Jesus' first followers, Resurrection Lord's Day. Afraid, skeptical, confused, disbelieving, heart of heart, astonished, isolated, needy in so many ways, lacking answers. The good news is that COVID may have knocked us down, but Christ's resurrection means we don't have to stay knocked down. Amen? The great news is that the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection is a total game changer. It was back then, and it still is right now. 
The risen Christ spoke soothing greetings to his first followers when he saw them and he spoke. He said to them, peace to you. He said that recorded in Luke 24, 36 and John 20, verses 21 and 26. And the Lord Jesus Christ this morning says to us, peace to you. The risen Savior is also recorded to have said to them back then, peace be with you, John 20, verse 19. And the same risen Son of God says to us through his word and by his spirit, peace be with you. I wonder, is peace to you the same as peace with you? I just wonder. It could be. But could it also be that peace to you is like getting a cool glass of water, but peace be with you is like living beside a cold, fresh water fountain? Could it be that peace to you is situational and peace be with you is continual? Well, whatever way we may take it, The truth to claim is that our raised from the dead Lord and Savior can and will give us peace that is inner calm, that is settled sense that all is well. I love the way that the typical greeting in our country is all is well. I love that. And when we ask each other after the service, all is well, because of Christ's peace, the risen Christ's peace, we can say all is well. All is well. Because Christ is alive, never to die again, we can actually experience his supernatural peace, which will buffer and which will soften and which will um, lessen difficult things that we all still face due to COVID and other circumstances. Now, quickly, I want us to see five ways that the Lord Jesus Christ is risen. Five ways that Christ is risen. You ready? Let's start with the first one. He is risen joyously. Say that with me. Christ is risen joyously. Christ is risen joyously. And so he is. Matthew 28, 5 through 8. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb and with fear, watch it, and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Oh yes, Christ is risen joyously. We should have no ER Christian. Oh, bother. I was so upset. I forgot to be happy. How am I doing? Pretty good under the circumstances. Christ is risen joyously. Joyously. Second, Christ is risen marvelously. Can you say that with me? Christ is risen marvelously. Luke 24, 8 to 12. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, 
Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles, and their words seemed to them like idle tales. The translation of the Greek word is nonsense. And they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling, there it is, marveling to himself at what had happened. Christ is risen marvelously to cause marvel in us who follow him. Peter marveled because what had happened was marvelous, extraordinary, extremely good, wondrous, never Stop marveling at your Savior being alive after death. Never stop marveling that Christ is risen. The founders of every other world religion other than Christianity are all dead and gone. No one claims otherwise. Christ is risen, and this is marvelous. And so marvel regularly, weighed down by guilt of sin, marvel when needing power to go on for the next step of your day, marvel when staring into an open grave, marvel. Christ is risen joyously. Christ is risen marvelously. Third, he is risen reverently. Can you say that with me? He is risen reverently. That is, causing those who know about his resurrection to be reverent toward God. Mark 16 and verse 8. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled. They were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus made the women who first understood it tremble. Ever had trembling hands? Ever felt your insides were trembling, uncontrollably shaking? That's how they felt. Because they were amazed. They didn't expect it. They were stunned. The resurrection made those precious women properly reverence God. And equally, the resurrection also made the Apostle John some years later properly reverence the risen Christ. Revelation 1.9 through the first part of 17, listen to the reverence. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom, and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island, which is called Patmos, for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice of a, as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that had spoken with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one 
like the son of man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice is a sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Jesus Christ is risen reverently in that his resurrection should prompt reverence for him. Reverence. What have we seen so far? We've seen three ways that the Gospels knit together to show us how the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead. Number one, it was joyously. Number two, it was marvelously. And number three, it was reverently. That is, cause reverence for God. Fourth, he is risen restoratively. Can you say that with me? He is risen restoratively. What do I mean by that? I mean by that, in no way did our wonderful Savior rise again from the dead with a didn't-I-show-you attitude. Not at all. Actually, quite the opposite. Christ arose from the dead and especially sought out those who failed him in order to give those persons a second chance. <laughs> feel, you've feel you've failed the risen Savior. I know I feel that way sometimes. Know that he was raised from the dead restoratively. And this morning, he especially comes to us in the sanctuary or by the live stream who feel that we are failures in our faith, disappointments to the Godhead, sinners enslaved by certain sins. Jesus Christ rose from the dead restoratively and he went to Peter. Mark 16, 7. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. And we know from the latter chapters of the Gospel of John that Jesus met with the failure Peter on the seaside of the Sea of Galilee and they had a barbecued fish breakfast together and Christ restored him, forgave him, deployed him to the doing of God's will in the soon-to-be-born church. And so Jesus Christ rose restoratively with respect to Peter, but he also rose restoratively with respect to Thomas, doubting Thomas. As he appeared in a room after resurrection, John 20, verse 27, says something so beautiful for failures like all of us. Then he, Christ, said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but be believing. Isn't that loving? Isn't that gracious? Isn't that Jesus? 
if you feel like you have failed your Savior this morning, and that could be a lot of us, know that he's alive from the dead and comes to you by his spirit through his word in these moments to restore you to fellowship, to forgive you and to make you fit for his use once again. And so when the risen Savior comes to us by his spirit through his word in these minutes, all of us who have failed him, and that's all of us really, Toby Mack, quote, God uses failures because that's the only kind of people there are. And so when Christ, the risen Savior, comes to us in this sanctuary by his spirit in accordance with his word, and offers us, extends to us love, extends to us grace, extends to us second chances, extends to us forgiveness. Humbly and gratefully take all by the hand of faith. Go on from doing so walking with the Lord. Go from here dismissing false guilt for forgiven sins. And revel, celebrate the fact that your Redeemer is raised from the dead to restore you. In a way, it's like the angel at Christ's empty tomb tells the women, go and tell the disciples, but you could put your name in there. Rob, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And Rob, reach your hand here and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And you could place your name in that verse as well. To review, Christ is risen joyously, marvelously, reverently causing reverence to God, restoratively, and one more point, he is risen perpetually. Say that with me. He is risen perpetually. Mark 16, 6. But he said to them, do not be afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Jesus Christ is risen perpetually. This is just one of many places in the Gospels where it is reported that Jesus is risen. And it is important to see that he is risen, not that he was risen, not that he will be risen, but that he is perpetually in the present tense risen. He's risen forevermore. His state of being alive from the dead is perpetual without end. He's never to die again. In some ways, this is similar to the name of God in the Old and New Testament, the name I am. God doesn't call himself I was. And God doesn't call himself I will be. God does call himself I am. Christ is risen.
forevermore. Revelation 1, here the Apostle John as a man in his 80s exiled in a rocky, desolate, abandoned isle as a punishment from Rome. Listen to what the Spirit of God had John write. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to God, his God and Father, to him, Christ, be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And skipping down to verse 9, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God, for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I was in the spirit, capital S, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. Having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a gold, golden band. And his head was like, and hair were like white wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire, and his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice was as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth when a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance, his face was like the shining sun in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Jesus Christ is risen joyously, marvelously, reverently, causing us to be a reverent of God, restoratively and perpetually. If you are here this resurrection Lord's Day and do not know him as your Savior, first of all, we're glad you're here best restoration that the risen Christ wants to do for you is to forgive you of your sins, to wash you clean, and to make you new from the inside out. The way you would receive those gifts is by acknowledging that you have fallen short of God's holiness and sin. You would acknowledge that Jesus Christ died in your place, shed his blood, and that the Father raised Christ Resurrection Lord's Day to evidence that your sins have been paid for in full by Christ's blood. And then you would reach out with the hand of faith, putting full trust in Christ alone, not a church, not a moral life, but in Christ alone. And when you transfer your trust to that finished work of Jesus for you, the scriptures say you're born again. 
You're given spiritual life where you had spiritual death. You're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you immediately, never to be evicted, never to abandon you, to give you power, resurrection power, the same power that Father exercised to raise his son from the dead. It says in Ephesians, that same resurrection power is available to the true believer in Christ to live victorious Christian living. Well, make that your decision if you never have. And if you make that decision and pray that transference of trust to Christ alone, would you tell somebody before you leave the campus? There are all kinds of born-again Christians here today. Any one of them would be thrilled to know of your decision to trust Christ, and they would be interested to pray with you briefly and to help you know how the next steps of your new life in Christ would look. Now, that is application for those who came here without a Savior. I want to close with an application for those of us who came here with the risen Savior as our Savior, which is the vast majority, I believe. We've been restored. We've been redeemed. Let me tell you a story. Some years ago, I was invited to a 4th of July party at the U.S. ambassador's residence in Nassau. I was invited along with every other American citizen living on the island, so it wasn't just a personal little intimate gathering. It was a lot of us. Several hundred were on the residential front lawn. And they had all this wonderful food, hot and cold food, on many different tables being served by a catering company, all the delicacies for first course, all the delicacies for dessert. They were all there. And the invited guests, the American citizens at that 4th of July party, could have anything we wanted to eat, as much of it as we wanted, much of the desserts we wanted. I ate that night, but what if I hadn't? What if I went to the 4th of July party at the U.S. ambassador's front lawn and I turned everything down? Every delicacy that I could eat, I passed by. Every dessert I could enjoy, I did not imbibe. What then? I would have missed out on some of the most costly and generous blessings that were afforded me if I would just take them. Now, here's the point. On Sundays, some believers in Christ leave empty-handed from the weekly resurrection party which they have attended in this sanctuary. For any number of reasons, some Sunday to Sunday, right in these pews, have become dull. And they have X'd themselves out of the delicacies that are being presented to them and offered to them by way of truth, interpreted, and applied. And so, although physically present at the 4th of July party, if I did not eat or drink anything, I would have missed what the party was affording me. Similarly, we can be physically present in the sanctuary Sunday by Sunday by Sunday, but if it's become SOS to us, same old stuff, then we can go through those rear doors or these doors empty-handed with respect to the blessings God has for us in his word each Sunday. 
Don't be that kind of believer. Tote. Don't look at me that way. Take the food away from the party. Tote. Tote. Take your spiritual furl and wrap up the goodies from God's word available to you every Lord's Day and tote. Wrap it in furl. Take it home. Enjoy those blessings through the week and come back for some more. He is risen. (laughs) We celebrate it. We live it. We bank on it for eternity. (laughs) And we come together every Lord's Day to remember the resurrection of Christ. Sunday's the first day of the week when he rose from the dead. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We have a risen Savior that you raised him from the dead. He's alive forevermore. And all the theological truth that spins out of that from your word. Help us, Lord, not to leave any Sunday party celebrating his resurrection empty-handed. May we take it with us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen.